Hi, and welcome to the Unveiled Podcast, where we discuss all things related to women to help us think Christianly in every area of life. Susie's here with me, and she's passionate about ministry to women, theology, and biblical counseling. My training is in education and music, and Susie and I serve at our local church and have been friends for over 20 years. We want to talk about the issues that women are facing and help to reorient ourselves back to God's word and his good plan for us. We're going to be discussing stewarding our bodies, health, food, fitness, and how we can best live this out to honor the Lord. We've titled this series, this new series, Imago Day. And Susie, will you define and explain what this means and why you chose this title? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the Imago Dei is simply the Latin phrase that means image of God. And uh, it comes from Genesis 1, 26 to 27, where it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every living creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so to be created to be like him, we are created to also reflect him in the world. Wayne Grudem in his Systematic Theology book explains uh, the words image and likeness in this way. And I'm just going to read a quote here. He says, when God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness, the meaning is that God plans to make a creature similar to himself. This is because the Hebrew words for both image and likeness refer to something that is similar, but not identical to the thing it represents or is an image of. The word can also be used for something that represents something else. Therefore, the Hebrew words that are translated image and likeness had quite clear meanings to the original readers. These Hebrew words simply would have meant to the original readers, let us make man to be like us and to represent us. Grudem continues to say that because image and likeness had these meanings, scripture does not need to give a more precise explanation of what is meant by creation of man in the image of God. Such an explanation is unnecessary not only because the terms had clear meanings, but also because no such list could do justice to the subject. The text only needs to affirm that man is like God, and the rest of scripture fills in more details to explain this. End quote. And so I think that's great, because it's kind of an inspiring idea then, because the more we know about God, the more we will be like him. Uh, the Malco Day includes uh, our ability to reason, our ability to have a spiritual understanding. Uh, it includes uh, how we relate in relationship with one another and our function or, or how we, we live and act and specifically our dominion over the world. And so we see very clearly here that um, to understand the image of God and what it means to live in his likeness uh, really does give humanity worth and purpose. And it's uh, very evident in our world that most people have lost their understanding of what it means to be created in the image and likeness of God, just very simply by how we see the value of humanity being hindered and uh, so easily disposed of. Uh, just this morning, I was chatting with someone and we were talking about how, um, you know, as soon as there's an issue, it, the, the answer is simply to to get rid of a person, the, the um 
medical care so many times these days is just not what it used to be because people don't have that same view of the dignity of human life. And we see that from the very beginning to the very end of life, right? And uh, if, if there's a woman that is pregnant and it's going to hinder her career options, well, just have an abortion. If there is an elderly person or a middle-aged person that struggles with depression, well, we can offer you MAID. Or if you're taking up too much time in the medical system, we can just offer you MAID. And so there's no human dignity left. The the value of human um, life is, is just not the way it used to be. And I think it's largely because people have lost their understanding of uh, what it means to be created in the image and likeness of God. And even just in the day to day and in our own lives, if we have an incorrect or an incomplete understanding of the image of God, I think it can cause us to look for meaning and purpose in all the wrong things. And uh, so I chose this topic because I want to address some of those things, some of those ways that we look for purpose or worth apart from Christ. And um, it it ends up just leaving us feeling unsatisfied and and wanting more rather than feeling fulfilled and satisfied and content. And so we need to turn back to God and uh, learn to be satisfied in Him. And we will be able to do that as we find our completeness in Him. Hmm. Well, like all good things that God has given us, you know, we manage to twist, to reject or even to destroy his good design. And uh, like you said, we look for purpose in other things. And social media really wants to help us find the answer for our purpose. Mm. And actually, we're going to be covering that in another episode. But um, what are some of the more common insecurities that women are facing? Well, like just chatting with um, people, and some of them can be my own age, or it can be young adult women that I uh, minister to. But there's a lot of insecurity, right? And some of it is simply questions like, will I get married? Who is the right guy? How do I know how to find him? Am I lovable? Will I ever amount to anything? Am I pretty? And what is God's plan for my future? Can God use me? Uh, Does anyone really understand, understand me? Do they really understand how I'm feeling? Am I enough or Does anyone really value me? And even uh, more deeply, where will I go when I die? And I think um, those are all questions that many young women face and ask. And maybe even as we get older, we ask some of these things and we wonder, like, did I really do much with my life? And uh, if we don't have a solid understanding of our purpose and our mission as an image bearer, I think it can be so... Uh, easy to fall into despair or anxiety or worry or fear or discontentment. Uh, I came across a book actually quite a number of years ago. Uh, It's a book by Robert McGee, and it's called Search for Significance. And it was a a time in my life where I was really assessing my own life and trying to figure out why I had certain fears and uh, why I did certain things. And I found it to be very helpful. He essentially divides up our fears or insecurities into four different categories. And I found it so amazing to be able to relate to these and to see how God had an answer. So the first one is the fear of failure. 
And we see that so easily, right? Uh, the fear of failure, failure could be uh, just a desire to perform, or it could be uh, a fear of criticism and uh, not being able to take feedback or not measuring up. And uh, it can really be overwhelming for some people. But God has already given us the solution for that, and that is through justification um, and remembering that you are completely forgiven and fully pleasing to God. And if we really understand that, we feel content knowing that no matter what I do, no matter how big I, uh, I fail, how big my failure is, I know that I am forgiven and I am pleasing to God because Jesus died on the cross for my sins and through that I am justified. We can handle the different failures, whether it's failing at cooking dinner one night or maybe it's failing an exam, a really important exam, as as disappointing as, as those things can be, they're not eternal. They're not, um, you know, they're not really foundational. We're still okay with God. And so we don't need to fear that failure. And the second one is that fear of rejection. And that can very much be uh, seen in people who are people pleasers and who crave relationships and who maybe are manipulated into doing things that they wouldn't normally do because they don't want to be rejected. And that could be very damaging and very controlling in our lives. But if we can understand that God has given us the solution for that as well, and that's reconciliation, uh, knowing that because of the cross, we are reconciled to God. And because of that, we are totally accepted by him. There's nothing else that we need to do. And there is ultimately nothing that can separate us from God's love. And we will be with him for eternity. And when we really understand that and are satisfied that we have been reconciled to the God of the universe, that he is our heavenly father, we are in his family, the rejections that we face, whether it's a breakup or maybe a friend that doesn't want to be our friend anymore, or maybe it's being rejected for a job that we applied for, we can handle those kind of rejections because we know that ultimately we are accepted by God and he will never abandon us. And then number three, there's the fear of punishment, and that can be um, found in people who uh, always want to do things with perfection because they never want to be told that they've done something wrong, or maybe they fall into the trap of lying about things because they don't want anyone to catch them um, doing something that's wrong, and they don't want to have to admit their own failure, and uh, that can cause all sorts of destructive type um issues in our lives and it can cause us not to be trustworthy and uh, certainly it'll affect our relationships but God has a solution for that as well and it's propitiation and that means that because of the cross God's wrath has turned away from us and because Christ already paid for our sins and, and made us right we are deeply loved by God and we do not have to fear punishment. Because yes, maybe uh, there will be consequences for a behavior here on earth, but we know that in the end, in eternity, the final debt has already been paid and we can face God with confidence. We don't have to fear being punished. And then the fourth fear is, or feeling, I guess it's more of a feeling, it's a feeling of shame. And um, this is people that maybe 
hide in the corner or are too afraid to really hold their head high in confidence and be friendly and loving and, and welcoming to other people. They, they feel like there's, they're somehow inferior and less than other people. And, um, Sometimes it's because of their own sin. Sometimes it's because of the culture they grew up in. Sometimes it's because they've been abused and they carry the shame of other people. But even there, no matter what the reason for the shame, um, if you are a child of God, you know that you have been regenerated and that's God's solution for that fear. And to be regenerated means that you have been made new. You are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed, the new has come. And so you can confidently know that no matter what you have done or what anyone else has done from for you or who people say you are, you have been made brand new and you are complete in Jesus Christ. And so, um, yeah, we, we have these fears, but really they're deeper fears, right? Like if we're asking, am I pretty? Am I lovable? They're, they're deeper fears, right? And I think most of those questions of insecurity that we have, we can put them either into the, the fear of failure, rejection, punishment, or shame. And if we are diligent in, in seeking to renew our minds and being satisfied in what God has done for us on the cross, because that's eternal solutions, we won't have to worry about those more everyday mm. kind of fears that we have, and they won't become all-consuming because... The foundation of who we are has mm. already been secured. Mm, and those those are good reminders of the truth that we can find in Christ. That's great. Thank you. Thanks for sharing those. Um, so just to change course a little bit here, Susie, what do you see taking place in the church that would be something that we should be cautious of? For example, uh, I know many women who have done the sugar fast. Um, I haven't read the book, and I've heard really good things about this trend, but maybe what are your thoughts on this specifically and maybe other popular fads that are happening now, like, I don't know, um, keto, intermittent, intermittent fasting, the whole 30. Um, and how does that line up with God's word? Yeah, good question. So I think, first of all, we have to recognize that no diet will ever be our savior and no diet is the solution to our sin problems. Um, and so we, we really do want to get to the root of why we need these diets. And sometimes it could be because of health reasons and our health is declining and we realize, okay, there's certain types of foods that make me feel bad and certain types of foods mm -hmm. that make me feel better. And maybe they fit into one of these um, trends. And if that works for you, hey, that's that's great. And it, it can kind of give you a, a guideline on, on what to eat. Um, but I do think we have to be careful about not just following all the latest trends. And, um, you know, for for people that just realize they do have a problem, maybe they have a, maybe they have a gluttony problem. Uh, and that could mean they're overweight, but not all gluttonous people are overweight, right? right? Sometimes yep. they're able to hold it for a long time. So being overweight isn't the only indicator. But if you're eating too much food or if you're relying on food to get you through the day, certain foods to get you through the day, or or if you're uh, treating yourself um, uh, and, you know, using it as a stress reliever, it's probably an indication that you're relying on food in, a, in an unhealthy way. 
And so, yeah, if, if one of these diets mm. can help you, uh, by all means, um, try it out and see what works for you. But I do think uh, there's a few uh, points that we should always remember. And so the first one I've already said, no diet will be your savior. So mm-hmm. ultimately look to Jesus to be your savior and uh, the healer of your life and the, the healer of whatever it is that causes you to uh, maybe fall into a trap of overeating or eating all the wrong foods. Uh, look to that first. But your diet, uh, you should also remember, is your preference. And uh so we have to be careful to treat it as a preference and not like, well, if you're preferring to eat that way, then everybody else has to do that as well and uh, almost make it like a self-righteous thing or come across as if um, since you're following this diet, then somehow you are more holy than those who aren't following that diet. Uh, we have to be careful about that. And I would say extreme diets are not usually meant to be a lifestyle, but they could be a good fast. And so maybe uh, there's times when you need to go on an extreme diet to really whip your body into shape and to be able to tell your body, okay, you aren't in control, but the Holy Spirit is in control of my life. And so I would say an extreme diet should be viewed more as a, a fast mm. Um and in the end, unless you've got some extreme health issues, I think it's it's good to be balanced in the way that we eat. Um, and that means one of the things that I try to do is not to let my diet or my preferences interfere with my fellowship, right? Like if, if it's such a big deal to be able to go out uh, with friends or go to a friend's house because they won't be able to meet your diet expectations, if it's not a health thing, I think we have to be very careful about that, mm-hmm. um, right? Like if you can't go visit people for 30 days or <laughs> however long it might be because you're on a diet, I don't know. I'm, I, I think we have to be cautious about mm-hmm. that. And uh, like I've already said, make sure you're targeting your heart, not just uh, modifying what you eat because uh, you can go on a 30-day whole 30 thing or a sugar fast or whatever it might be. But if you actually haven't targeted the heart, the reason why you crave sugar so much or carbs or whatever it might be, then you're just going to go right back after those 30 days. And what good has that been? Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's very important to target the heart and find out why it is that you crave after these things instead of going to the Lord. Uh, And same way, like if you're a stress eater, you have to deal with your stress, figure out where your stress is coming from and seek to lessen that stress because uh, maybe you can control the sugar, but maybe you'll just become more of a worrier or you'll mm-hmm. become an angry person or uh, maybe you'll indulge in shopping or whatever it might mm-hmm. be if you haven't actually dealt with the heart. So super important, uh, which goes right along with renewing the mind, right? Don't just change the beha- behavior, but change your heart mm-hmm. and find the healing that you need so that you can truly be a different person, not just for 30 days, but you're you're a different person and where you can maybe enjoy sugar once in a while without having to become a glutton again right yeah yeah um but certainly diets aren't the only thing that uh, are issues in the church or that show evidence that women are struggling with having a proper view of the mago day 
And uh, so I've got other other things here that I'm thinking about. And one of them would be that I think many women struggle with understanding what it really looks like to respect and submit to their mm-hmm. husbands. I think in uh, our church, most women have a desire to do that, but they might struggle with practicing that. And so next week's podcast will actually deal with that. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. chatting more about that. And then uh, there's the social media influencing. I think uh, we have been very influenced by that. And one little evidence of that, and, you know, I'm, if you've done this, don't don't worry, I'm not judging you. And, you know, there's there's freedom and flexibility here. But I've just seen uh, a trend more and more where uh, all the pictures that you post or even if you're getting a Christmas card done, it all has to be done by a professional photographer where there's, uh, you know, you might make try to make it look natural, but we all know it's posed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there's a time and a place for that. But I think if there's that expectation that you can never put a picture up for anyone to see unless it's like completely perfectly uh, designed and set up, I think that's sad. I think it's a little bit fake, right? Uh, Certainly, you know, I'm not against professional photographers. My daughter-in-law does photography and she does a great job Mm -hmm. at it and she loves it and she does it, you know, she finds great joy in it. So I'm not trying to get down on photographers, but I do want to also just encourage us. We don't always have to have the perfect pose. And so it's sometimes just be willing to share the natural, the real, the the memories that you Mm -hmm. have, right? Mm -hmm. And um, uh, for that, you had asked, you know, what are some scriptures that go along with this? And I would say, um, just remember that, oh, I didn't write down the reference here, but I think it's um, 1 Peter 3, when they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of the hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So let's continue to remember that as we're trying to put out beautiful pictures of ourselves or our, our family, remember that the external should not be our focus it should be the internal let's Mm -hmm. spend more time on the internal than the outward Mm -hmm. and along with that I would say just the influence we've had on romance and understanding what true love is um, going right along with the sexualization of love and both of those kind of having a distorted view of love and also the sexualization of love uh, very quickly Ephesians 5 1 to 2 very interesting because we see uh, at the end of chapter 4 in Ephesians it talks about how we should let go of all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor Mm. and slander and malice and to be kind and tender-hearted forgiving one another and and then it says therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God so here is the definition the example of what true love is Christ giving himself up for us and then the very next verse says but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you mm. as is proper among the saints and i thought isn't that interesting Mm. right in a world where we have absolutely sexualized love and 
uh, love is love and you can do whatever you want with whomever you want and uh, there's no boundaries and um, it's just assumed that if you're in a relationship that you are having sexual intercourse marriage doesn't have anything to do with it anymore uh, because after all sex equals love and yet here just in the middle of that we see mm-hmm. we are to be imitators of God to love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us no mistake. And so uh, the world has twisted, social media has twisted uh, what love is. And so that impacts our, our our women here at the church as well. And so we have to be aware of that and cognitive of that. Mm. Um, and then there's the cool image kind of going right along with this, right? Uh, so many people love to post the cool image of themselves or come to church you know, really wanting to put on the impression of being really cool. Mm-hmm. and Like the ph- photographs. Yeah. Having it all together. Yes, yes, having it all together and just perfectly <laughs> coordinated. And uh, it's just hard to explain. But if this is desired more than the qualities of mm-hmm. God, that that is dangerous. Or even as we're looking for friendships, relationships, or even a dating relationship or a spouse, uh, looking at the person who is the coolest or the most put together can be so dangerous. And there's a couple of verses that I found. First of all, it's so funny, actually, it relates so much to, uh, um, oh, it's uh, 1 Samuel 16, 7, I believe, where it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his outward appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. And God's talking about Saul here. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Mm. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Mm. And so even way back then at the very beginning, uh, it's part of our humanity. And so we can't even just blame it on social media. It's part of who we are. We look at the outward appearance. And uh, the people of Israel were looking to Saul and he was tall and he was handsome and they thought, oh, he will be the best king ever. And how disappointed they were. And how many times don't we see that where, um, you know, you you go to a new school and you look for the cool crowd and you Mm. think, I want to be their friend, Mm. only to find out they are so fake and Mm -hmm. they're actually going to betray you. Or you look for the coolest and most handsome, put together uh, guy in youth group or young adults. And uh, you think he's going to be all that, only to find out that he's not very mm-hmm. solid solid yeah. in any ways, right? Yeah. So looking uh, at the outward appearance um, should not be what drives us in our relationships or in our own lives. And along with that, there's also another verse, 2 Corinthians 5.12, that also says, we are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. Mm-hmm. So once again, just that warning about not judging too much on the outward appearance, but looking at what is in the heart. And then uh, another 
issue that's been probably been a lifelong or a long time issue as well is women when they are going through a hard time when they're stressed or when they've just gone through a breakup or a rejection or whatever it might be what do they run to they run to retail retail therapy and the new trend I think more and more uh, even amongst Christians is running to wine they just need a Mm. glass of wine to relax or if they've got the money then they go on vacations and as much as there's nothing wrong with going shopping or um in moderation, having a glass of wine or going on a vacation, uh, if that's what we're running to, to find our rest and our rejuvenation, we will be sadly disappointed. And it reminds me of Jeremiah 2.13, where uh, God says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and mm-hmm. hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And it's describing here how the people of God have, have run to uh, to things to find their satisfaction and their protection and the things they're running to are like broken cisterns like a, a broken cistern would be one that you pour water into it the water goes in but it drains right out it it's doesn't empty. last it doesn't satisfy empty, right yeah. yep. and that's how so many of the things that we run to whether it be retail therapy or vacations or a glass of wine it's not going to last and yet all the while there's the fountain of living water god who who is ever nourishing, ever satisfying, ever cleansing, ever purifying, ever loving and forgiving. He's right there. And yet, who do we run to? All these other mm-hmm. things, right? Yeah, escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we see evidence of, you know, people trying to find their their worth through a lack of modesty, right? Trying to be seductive in the dress that they have. And as I was thinking about that, I'm like, I think our church has actually gotten better at that uh, because we have talked about modesty a lot. And so I think we've gotten better uh, as I say that. And as I was thinking that, I'm like, I hope it's not just because it's fall now and people tend to dress a little more <laughs> bulky and and uh, cover up a little bit more. I hope it really is a change. Yeah. Um, but uh, for now, we'll just say, hey, hey, I hey. think our church is yeah. doing pretty good. Yeah. And And let's just remember that when spring hits. Mm -hmm. And then there's the fitness trend too, though, right? Mm. Um, Some people can get so caught up in in fitness and having to be at the gym all the time. And then, of course, along with that often goes the show-off pictures of what you can do and showing off your your muscles or whatever it might be. Uh, and, And then there's probably the scantily dressed clothing as well and so let's remember fitness can be a good thing right you can have a great time going to the gym um as most of you know if you've been listening to us for a while i I enjoy riding a bike we can do that but even fitness everything is for the glory of god so even fitness should be done for worship and not for self-glorification um and you know, First Corinthians ten thirty one very clearly says, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do all for the glory of God. So even fitness, don't do it to be glorified in your own body, but do it for the glory of God. Uh, we also see in First uh, Timothy four eight it says, for while bodily training is of some value, so it's not as if we're saying bodily training is all bad. Yeah, no, there's right. some value in that. Absolutely, but godliness is value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come so let's just remember that right like um yeah hey let's be fit let's be active and uh, training our bodies is a good thing it it can keep us you know flexible and strong and active and moving uh it's good for so many things but it only has some value godliness has value for 
every way. So mm-hmm. let's focus more on the godliness than the physical training. Mm-hmm. And then I just have one more, and I see this particularly amongst young adults, and maybe more, but I'm, I'm just thinking mm-hmm. about just the pressure that our young adults have about performance anxiety, right? An extremely high desire to succeed in education and career, and for some of them it might be sports. And we just want to help people to understand your worth does not come from being the best in your class or uh, moving up in your career. We want to do all things with excellence, but that's Mm. not where our worth comes from. And I was thinking about Galatians 6, 12 to 14. It says, uh, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they might not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but the desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in the flesh. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And so just a reminder that we can't boast in the outward. Uh, this is specifically talking about circumcision or just keeping the law. But in everything, let's let's be careful not to live so that we can boast. And even 2 Corinthians 10, 16 to 18 says, so that we may preach the gospel in the lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence let the one who boasts boast in the lord for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved but the one who whom the lord commends so let's just remember um our greatest motivation in life should not be to get the highest marks to pass Mm -hmm. every exam to uh have the best career Um, yeah, we might get a lot of commendation from other people and we might feel good about ourselves and be able to pat ourselves on the back. But if we've, uh, ignored godliness, if we've ignored getting to know God, if we've ignored serving God, if we've ignored trying to be an imitator of God and getting to know him so that we could know everything there is about our career path or about the sports we're involved in or whatever it might be. We've, we've failed, mm-hmm. right? Let's remember our most important uh, one that we want to get commendation from is from the Lord. Mm. Uh, so yeah, just some insecurities that can drive drive us even in the church without even really recognizing what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to be cautious of those. What's well, funny, we were talking about fads and <laughs> I'm currently trying out some mushroom coffee. <laughs> That doesn't sound good at all. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just laughing because, wow. Yeah, it arrived in the mail on my way here. I'm like, oh, mental focus. This is great. I'm going to try this. It it tastes like it sounds like it would taste. It it doesn't. It sounds awful, Sandy. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I don't think I recommend it. But uh, I'm going to, um, I will let you, I will let you know. I'll give you an okay. update. Okay. Well, you know what? There's certain things I will do if yeah. it actually get, does help me feel better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, let me mushroom know. <laughs> mushroom coffee. It's instant mushroom coffee. So anyway, it just made me chuckle. <laughs> so mothers have a large role in shaping their daughter's outlook on food, on diet, and on body image. Girls look up to their moms and sometimes... Sometimes we make little comments like I look fat or I need to go on a diet. How harmful is this to our children? 
Uh, so yeah, it can be pretty harmful. And I know you had reached out to mm-hmm. um, some people to to see what their experience had been, and mm-hmm. uh, one of your friends actually gave you some really good. Um, advice a lot of little tips so she's obviously really thought through things so let's hear from her first before I say anything okay sounds good so she wrote regarding the body image topic she said watch your own language about your body in front of your kids boys and girls and avoid using the I'm too whatever about food avoid saying that you need to finish your plate instead say eat till your tummy is full oops Um, let them leave food on their plate if they really are full don't cater your meals to what only your kids will eat. Keep having them try new foods. In our home, we call it a no thank you bite. They need to take at least one bite of everything I've made and then they're allowed to say no thank you. But I will not allow them to eat anything else than what I've offered at the table. Our kids don't ever have to ask for uh, don't ever have to ask to eat healthy snacks or fruit, veggies, yogurt, nuts, etc. If you want your kids to be active, then you have to be active as well. Participate in activities you can do as a family and make it normal to get out, even in the winter. Buy clothes that actually fit. Clothes that are too tight or too big don't make you feel comfortable. When you purposefully reject certain foods, say things like, I don't like how I feel when I eat that. I've had enough of, I can't think clearly when I eat this. Avoid saying, "Um, that's going to make me fat. I'm trying to lose weight. I can't eat that. Sometimes small changes over time are better than trying to change everything all at once. After exercising, make comments like, I have more energy when I work out or have, I can do more. And don't underestimate the power of a proper night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. That's some excellent yes. advice there. So I hope that our listeners were taking some notes there. So yeah, I just wanted to affirm yeah. our, our kids very much pick up on the things that we say, mm-hmm. they pick up very easily. And sometimes even things that we don't say, they pick up on our patterns. And so we do want to be very careful about that. Yep. And I know I've probably said things, you know, too often, oh, I need to lose weight and that kind of thing. Uh, and so, yeah, I certainly haven't been perfect in this myself. Um, but I do try to be careful about not mm-hmm. talking about it, uh, even when I am trying to, you know, be more diligent in what I eat and aware. Um, but the fact is they they tend to pick up on that anyways when the kids live in your house. They, they see when you start changing things, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but we... We can tell them why we're doing it. We feel better about it. It's not so I can, you know, be, you know, the slimmest person in the world, but I actually do feel better and I want to be a good steward of my body, right? If we can reinforce the positive rather than just, hey, I want to be thin. Mm-hmm. I think that's very, very uh, valuable. Just remembering that our words are very powerful and the way we even speak about ourselves. If we're using self-destructive language about ourselves, our kids will absolutely pick up on that. And Ephesians 4.29 is such a good reminder where it says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for mm. building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And maybe some of us moms need to remember that, um, Hopefully we're doing that for our kids, but maybe Mm. we actually need to take heed uh, for ourselves. How are we talking to ourselves? Mm -hmm. How is our internal messaging going? Uh, Maybe we were thinking, oh, well, I don't actually say it out loud. It's just a message in my own body where I, you know, in in my own mind, I say, oh, you're so fat or you're so ugly or 
uh, you should be skinny like that person or whatever it might be. If, if that is coming um, into our minds and that's what we're t- telling ourselves, we are actually being very destructive to ourselves and our kids are probably picking up on that more yeah. than we even mm-hmm. imagine. And so it starts with changing our internal messaging so that we can also use our verbal messaging to build up and use our words as fits the occasion so that those who hear us will be given grace. It's mm, good. What warning signs should moms or mentors watch for in our young girls, our teenagers, and how do we help direct them back to a healthy biblical view of their own bodies? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, good, good question. I think one of the most valuable things is to have family dinner times on a mm. regular basis, right? It's at family dinner time that you're going to see patterns and you're going to be more aware of when those patterns change, right? Mm-hmm. So if your child is suddenly eating a lot more than they used to, or they suddenly are always you know, not feeling good or not wanting to eat or eating a lot less, you're going to notice that. But if you're not having regular family dinners, how are you going to notice those changes, right? So I think it's very, very important. Along with that, and I think we've talked about this before, but just uh, along with that, having family dinner is an opportunity to talk about the ups and downs of the day. I think many times our eating patterns or our body image comes from our emotional responses and Mm -hmm. not knowing how to deal with the difficulties of our day. And so we want to be available to talk to our kids and to teach them about stewardship, right? And stewardship is very different than all the messages that they hear Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. And it was interesting, I was looking this up and trying to think of uh, the many different messages that we get and on self. And so we have to make sure that we teach our kids that stewardship is different than self-love. Stewardship is different than self-care. It is different than self-protection. It is different than self-esteem. It is different than self-confidence and self-efficacy and self-regulation and self-actualization and self-determination. Those types of words Mm. are common Mm -hmm. out in public and uh, media and probably education loves to promote those kind of things. And they seem good because after all, aren't we supposed to be taking care of our bodies? And if um, someone's hurt us, we need to learn to protect ourselves. And if I don't feel good about myself, I want to have a better self-esteem. But all those words you will notice are very self-focused, whereas to learn to be a steward is doing all things for the glory of God and taking care of what God has entrusted to us. The focus is different. Mm. And so, yes, we're still taking care of ourselves, but as a steward, not for the purpose of self and self-glorification. And so we want to be able to talk to our kids about these things and help them to understand that. And yeah, we want to help them to understand how to be in a safe and protected environment, but ultimately it's, it's making good decisions and having proper boundaries and following God's plan. That's mm. how we're going to have protection. Mm-hmm. Or even when it comes to confidence, our confidence doesn't come because of ourself. It comes because Christ has already paid the price for us on the cross and justified us and brought us into a relationship with him. And we have confidence to do whatever it is that he calls us to do because he is with us. And so there's a big difference between just self, self, self and being a steward and and living in light of that. 
And so just getting back to emotions, right? Um, I think emotions are very complex and they are often very loaded, right? And so back again, if, if we're having regular conversations with our kids, maybe around the dinner table, we are regularly able to talk about the emotions that have been experienced throughout the day. And so we can quickly deal with them. But if, if they're left to build up and one insecurity after another insecurity happens, whether it's at school or in the playground or amongst their brothers and sisters or amongst friends, they're just building up and becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden there's just an explosion mm-hmm. or you're like, what in the world happened to my innocent, happy little girl? Why is she suddenly withdrawn? Or why is she suddenly so insecure? Or why is she um, suddenly so hateful towards herself? Mm-hmm. Um, I think having regular conversations helps us mm-hmm. to, to do that and to draw that out. So we should be intentional about drawing out those emotions. And... One of the things that I've been uh, thinking about recently and it um, is the idea of learning how to lament and to lament is to cry out to God with passion mm-hmm. and sometimes um, I think we were quick to unload our emotions and maybe dump all our thoughts and feelings onto another person whether it's our husband, a friend or kids do that to their parents and as much as we want to be available for each other learning to lament to God can um, just be so helpful and that means that we turn to God first and so if our kids are are going through a hard time yeah we want to listen to them but also ask them hey have you have you talked to God about this yet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then remind our kids that they can be totally honest with God Mm -hmm. and they can tell God exactly how much it hurts and how betrayed they feel or how confused they are or the questions they have. They can talk to God about anything. And um, and sometimes maybe having that opportunity to talk to God first actually helps them to process and be more reasonable when they're actually talking to you or their friend or, mm-hmm. or brother or sister or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, with lament, we also want to uh, remind them that once they've been honest and, and maybe made some bold requests of God, they also need to choose to trust God. And that means that they'll need to know who God is. They'll need to know his character of, of being unfailing and having steadfast love and being merciful and gracious mm-hmm. and um infinite and all powerful like they'll need to know those things about God and so the more they know about God the more more they'll be able to trust him mm-hmm. and their emotions won't have to be as complex because they know that no matter what happens no matter the rejection or the disappointment or whatever it is that they're facing God can be trusted in all of that and mm-hmm. so if we're going to teach our kids that we also have to model this in our conversations as well and uh, we we want to, first of all, do that. We want to go to God first, and we want to be honest and choose to trust him. But I think we can also model that. So if we're thinking about the Imago Day and representing God, if God invites us to lament to him, mm-hmm. we should also invite our our friends or our, our sisters, our daughters, our children to be able to lament to us mm-hmm. as well, right? Not in place of God, but if God um, 
is patient with us, if he listens to our cries, we too should listen to the cries of those who are hurting. Mm. And James 1.19 is such a good reminder that we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. And as moms and for myself as a counselor, sometimes I have to be careful not to be too quick to give advice or to lecture or to say too much because um, sometimes I just have all the answers right away (laughs) and that can actually shut them down if they haven't actually had an opportunity to share their emotions because if I talk too quickly that can minimize what they're feeling Mm. or I can misinterpret what they're actually saying and um, and then why would they want to talk to me after that right and so let's Mm. try to model how God listens Mm. to lament. And yes, absolutely. In the end, we want to point them to God. Uh, But maybe sometimes we have to be a little more slow to speak and just take some more time to listen. And then at the right time, once they've had an opportunity to share, let's point them to God and um, let them know how much God loves them and how he is all powerful and he will never fail them and how he has provided all the answers for them. Uh, so yeah, just kind of thinking through those things and helping them sort thing, sort through things, I think is, is super important. And I would also say let's limit our kids' social media for as long as possible. And, and then lastly, I was just going to say let's um, get our kids active as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Activity, it's not just to stay in shape, but it's just good for our whole Mm. being, health, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, just continuing to remember that all these things, it's not just a set of rules. uh, It's not just, you know, doing the right thing, but it is worship and it's representing God, right? Mm -hmm. If we really understand the Imago Dei, we want to represent God in all of life and we want to help our children to represent God in all of life. Not making excuses, saying, well, you know, they've had a rough day or whatever. No, let's let's represent God in all of life in the way that we feel about ourselves, in the way that we talk about ourselves, in the way that we uh, live. We are called to represent God. Like what an awesome opportunity that is like what an awesome calling that is like who who would have ever thought that the god of the universe would call us as very limited people and flawed people to be his representatives Mm. that's amazing and we can either be overwhelmed and say i can't do this or we can Mm. say wow if god has called me to this lord please be gracious and show me every day and help me to do this in every area of my life Mm. and help me to help my kids and my mentees to do this as well like let's spur each other on Mm. what an awesome calling we have that's beautiful susie that's a beautiful way to wrap this up um the imago day so I hope you were encouraged today as you listened, um, that you have something to, to think about. I know I, I sure do, but just be encouraged um, to go and live out the Imago Day. And thank you for listening to part one of our series and helping us to rebuild biblical womanhood from the foundation up. Mm-hmm.